0: Welcome to the podcast version of Let's Kill Twitter, the show that aims to detox your timeline with the art of conversation. Let's Kill Twitter is recorded live and on Zoom and this week's guest was comedian, podcaster, speaker, writer and business mentor Callie Beaton. Before we got stuck into the tweets, Callie told the story about how legendary comedian Joan Rivers had got her into comedy when we did get stuck into the tweets, there were some equally legendary names involved, including Boris Johnson, Dominic Cummings and Matt Hancock, Richard Magley, and Alan Partridge. And we spent quite a bit of time on the tweets surrounding the launch week of GB News. We hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at LKTZoom. It's Sunday night. It's eight o'clock and you're watching Let's Kill Twitter with me, Julian Hall. This is the show that aims to detox your timeline with the art of conversation. Fortunately, I don't have to do that alone. I've got a fantastic guest with me tonight, comedian Callie Beaton. But just before I introduce Callie properly, just a little bit of housekeeping. Um, You're obviously watching us already, which means you'll be watching us live on either Facebook Live, on YouTube or on Twitch. You can also catch up with the show afterwards on the stream that's downloaded to YouTube or Facebook Live, but please do it on YouTube because I think the quality is better. And also you could give us a lovely subscribe there. Um, Speaking of which, the all important thing is to follow us on our Twitter account, LKT Zoom, which you can see on the screen share here with me. Um, All our updates go up there and clips and whatnot, but also you can tweet at us during the show, which I actively encourage that you do. Um, I think that might be enough housekeeping, suffice to say that I'm enjoying the second week with a green screen behind me, and also with a fairly decent webcam to boot. I think that makes our production values right up there with GB News, but that won't be the last time you hear about GB News tonight. So without much further ado, I'm gonna introduce um, our fantastic guest this evening. She's a comedian, a writer, a speaker, a podcaster, a business mentor, you may have seen her on QI, made regular appearances on there, or on The Apprentice You're Fired, or heard her on Radio 4's uh, Unbelievable Truth, and you was going to stumble on that one, Museum of Curiosity or The Fantastic Saturday Live. Please welcome Callie Beaton. Hello.
1: Hi, Julian. Thank you so much. Lovely to be. Is this you high tech then? Because I'm just looking around and going, so this is you maximum... Maximum
0: tech, is it? Maximum tech. Zoom plus OBS equals thumbs up, essentially. Wow. I, I mean, I, I've just I, got
1: a picture I stole out of my teenage daughter's bedroom, and I just slapped it on the wall behind me, and this is it.
0: I, that's a brilliant.
1: That's a brilliant picture. Is that is that Billy Holiday? I don't think it is Billy Holiday. No, it says life is beautiful. Irony.
0: Uh, oh, yeah. we, we could totally. Yeah, we could oh. totally trash life, but we're here oh, to we trash could. Twitter. But. Um, I wanted to first ask you, so the first, I wanted to kick off because your um, CV is obviously mahoosive um, but and one of the things that really kind of bridges it very nicely is how you got into comedy, which through the late great Joan Rivers and she sort of helped you, your narrative art go from your sort of corporate existence, which obviously you still have elements of, to uh, you as a comedian, how did that happen?
1: I like that way you're getting me to start with a clunking, great name drop. Just so can be like, "Oh, oh Callie Ed- Eaton is a dick," <laughs> <laughs> but you made me do it. So yes, I worked for years and still do work a bit in the TV industry, but off camera. And I worked for Comedy Central for many years, um, the US Comedy Central. And I was actually across the sort of business side of of Viacom CBS, so I had a sort of boring revenue generating job but I did work with talent and creatives quite a lot and we would get to know some of the kind of big on-screen names we'd be working with at any point because we would kind of organize corporate events where they would do a turn and we would try and get jaded tv executives to invest in the programs we were trying to do and that's how I met Joan Rivers so I did a few bits and bobs with Joan Rivers sort of traveled with her a few times and was basically her de facto warm-up at business events where I would do the businessy bit and she would come on and do a turn and then um the last time I saw her we had dinner together um it was actually not long before she died not connected I should right, say. I say so <laughs> you weren't interviewed <laughs> afterwards really
0: yeah
1: <laughs> no we don't want that to be the revelation tonight um and um and basically yeah, she said to me over dinner she said you know Kelly you should think about being a, a stand-up um and I said to her Jen I'm 45 as I then was I'm 45 I said I've got a massive day job I'm a single mum of two kids one of them's got special needs." I am uh, there's no way the ship has sailed it's too late for me to think about that she she said you've
0: written your first five minutes
1: (laughs) she said you've written your first and she said I'm 81 Callie you're 45 you're in the thick of it so it took an 81 year old woman telling me that a 45 year old person is not old and anyone listening or watching who um I think that's very good advice whatever age you are you'll look back and go god wish I'd done all that stuff 10 years ago or 20 years ago I, I was still young so yeah it was that conversation that got me onto the stage quite late in life.
0: It's pretty fantastic. I mean, I remember seeing Joan actually at the underbelly. Um, I can't remember how long a run she did, but seeing her like being sort of near the front row and not picked on either, um was amazing. And actually, I think the first time I properly met you was after a heat of So You Think You're Funny. So I don't know what the um, the timeline was between the two, but a very short space of time, I would imagine.
1: Yeah, it was. I did say you think you're funny when I've been going about four months and I didn't realise. Um, I know not everybody watching this will know what that is, but as you know, it's quite a prestigious newcomers competition. I didn't realise that you're meant to have been going a year, but people fudge it slightly. I didn't realise that having been going literally four months, I was quite fresh to be doing it. So that's my caveat for why I didn't win.
0: Well,
1: and because if, you obviously didn't vote for me,
0: Julian. Well, I, I'm racking my brains today thinking I can't remember if I did or I didn't. Well, I didn't food. get through,
1: so yeah, well, maybe. Yeah, it but it's
0: didn't. not all I mean, I'd love to think that all comedy competitions in Edinburgh were all down to me, but they absolutely weren't. I mean, <laughs> I've still got memories of being only one of two people in the room that wanted to put Michael McIntyre on a certain list. But hey, what what can you say?
1: What can um, you say? Not
0: that he, not that he really <laughs> needed it. Um, so, yeah, now let me think now. So, Joan... That is pretty amazing. You touched on something there about whether or not, um, did you suddenly think, oh, I should have done this years ago? Or were you just really happy with like, oh, now actually the time is right to be doing what I'm doing?
1: No, I sort of. um, And again, I do. I do talk about this because I do a lot of kind of corporate keynote speaking now as well, um, because obviously because it pays better than comedy. No, I actually do quite like doing it. And one of my sort of big things I bang on about is sort of um, people think and there'll be lots of people probably watching tonight who are going through loads of changes in their lives and where they're like, oh my God, I lost my job or this thing went wrong. And we often think when it's that you have to sort of compromise when you make radical life changes and sort of almost forget who you were before to become someone new. And one of the things that I love about comedy is I realised I didn't, all the stuff I'd been doing for 30 years, speaking on stages and introducing industry panels and just generally kind of kicking around this planet Earth for, for that many years sort of had partly set me up for it. So I'd always I did I was a drama student and I did a tiny bit of presenting in my early twenties. So I guess it had just lain dormant for yeah. twenty five years and then I kicked it into life. Um, and yeah, and now it won't die again. There it is. Alive. Yeah,
0: totally. I mean, you're, yeah, that's a lot of that's a big skill set, really. Um, you should, yeah. I mean, that, that is. I didn't realise that you'd had the the drama background. Uh, it's quite a yeah. long time ago though
1: and let me tell you my was if you think about left brain right brain you know creative and factual I was had had a career that was very much albeit in a creative industry was all about making money for companies so I was at the business end so it was quite a shift to go to um, and also as you know nobody laughs at a comedian who's all slick and sorted people want to see your soft white underbelly so it took me a bit of time to kind of um get a bit less slick and allow myself to be a bit more authentic and vulnerable it's probably why you didn't vote me through julian i was probably too slick <laughs> you're like oh she seems I, like a businesswoman. but i did
0: feel very well informed <laughs> afterwards i have to say <laughs> that, that is really interesting because actually shaking off those personas whether you've come from so i've seen stand-ups who've come from a sort of uh you know an acting background uh like doing the competitions or as you say people doing say for example comedy courses who are coming to do it perhaps to improve their business uh skill set but probably secretly also want to actually you know perform on stage and actually they are both very what's confident that uh, what's they've both got in common is they've confidence on stage they've got from the word go but shaking off the persona to be loose enough to kind of uh, you know roll with the punches is something else isn't
1: it yeah i'll tell you a, a quick and tiny secret given you were a judge in that first competition The reason I think I got as far as the kind of semi-finals of some really big competitions really quickly was because I had stagecraft. I'd spent years on stages, holding rooms, seeming that I knew what I was doing, being plausible, credible. That that side of things, all my corporate kind of training experience really set me up for. And actually, it's been a disadvantage as time's gone on because I didn't really have to muck about and find out what my actual voice was and what I wanted to really say. I could fudge it. And actually, I'd say it's taken me longer than many to really start to dig into what I actually want to be and say on stage. So it was an advantage for probably a year or two. And if anything, might have held me back from getting as good as I want to be. I'm only really finding out that stuff now. So it swings oh, around. That.
0: It's a it's sort of you had to do an unlearning process, basically
1: yeah I have and luckily I mean underneath it all I've always been a hot mess so that wasn't I didn't have to pretend that life wasn't all sewn together nicely because it never has been for me but I had to remember you don't have to go on stage and pretend it's all all right you know people actually all laugh more if they think oh right you're as fucked up as anyone that's great you know you're one of (laughs) us we can relax now We, (laughs) we like you you're a mess
0: there is no more liberating a day when you realize that everybody else is just as much of a mess as you are and like I say that generally not you personally but
1: well and me personally
0: that none taken Julian that's no no me. no I I, I was <laughs> like it's a, it's a very important stage in my life when I realized it's, it's not just me now that might definitely bring not just you quite neatly onto it does bring us very neatly actually the, you've chosen the first tweet that we're going to discuss is actually your biggest hit tweet so if you can just uh read that out and then let us know um how it amassed so many why it amassed so many likes and, and what it means to you
1: Yes, so today my son leaves uni with a first. My primate-loving, unconventional, autistic son who was bullied, unfriended, and who struggled through school is taking his lifelong passion for animals and making a career out of it. Neurodiversity, as important as any other kind. So that was, um, yeah, three years ago now, and almost exactly, actually, isn't it? Almost, almost to the day. Yeah, gosh, and yeah. that was when he, yeah, when he finished his degree in animal sciences. My autistic firstborn, and he's always like, um, like like most autistic kids, uh, they develop an encyclopedic knowledge of the thing they're most passionate about in all the world. And in my son's case, from tiny, it was animals. And then from not much bigger than tiny, it was specifically monkeys and apes, so primates. So he is a huge expert on primates and um yeah and he, he so he did at that point did get a zookeeper job so it was all like what a lovely positive story I was writing pieces for the broadsheets about it the National Autistic Society were calling me and then the pandemic came along um at you know 18 months or less after he'd started his job and he lost his job so he went from being a zookeeper to losing everything not getting he didn't end up on furlough he was kind of last in first out and his world fell apart and then my second most popular ever tweet was one I tweeted about three weeks ago when he's got another job as a zookeeper. He's moving to Paynton Zoo in, um, in two days. Wow. So they've been my most popular tweets. So, so, and actually, good on him. I mean, the pandemic, it's, it's hit. He's now nearly 24. And that generation have definitely had it really hard. And to see him bounce back from a pretty dark, depressive episode has been amazing so I spend ages crafting funny tweets nobody cares and I chuck one out I mean that that tweet got that many likes within a matter of hours it was just Mm -hmm. like ticker tape and that never happens when it's about me
0: (laughs) well actually I mean there's so much in that tweet isn't there I mean it's so I totally understand why it got the reception that it did and also it's just fantastic that there's a, a happy end to that story as well um you know which is a relief i mean it's it's quite hard to quantify what the last sort of 18 months um depending on where you are in your career and all the rest of it the, the kind of havoc that it's that it's played really yeah um, i think it's
1: been really my other one's been stuck in amsterdam um, she's over there on um studying and they locked down extremely quickly last year and she had the choice you know i said to her Look, you're gonna have to decide quickly do you want to stay in amsterdam with your boyfriend or do you want to race home to be here with me and without skipping a bit she was like well mum I'll stay here um, so she, she she and I do accept that's a no brainer so she got stuck over in Amsterdam which sounds fun but she was stuck in a flat you know she went to study and ended up sitting in a sitting in a room with her boyfriend which I'm sure is delightful for the first few weeks. And then you're probably like, hmm, I'd quite like a social life now. So I have huge, um, yeah, I have huge respect for that generation. And when everyone's been banging on about why are they in parks and having a laugh and leaving litter? I'm not saying they should be leaving litter or getting absolutely off their tits um, in an irresponsible, anti-social way. But I do think, blimey, guys, they've had the worst time. Let them have a bit of life.
0: I mean, obviously, if there's a litter problem, all you need is a couple of uh, Scotland football fans to pick it up. <laughs> from what I've seen, but uh, yeah, it's a very good point, actually. It, it really is. I mean, we don't really have that uh, that many tweets on on lockdown. We should make a, a bit of a change from previous shows. But what what we do have is a lot of tweets on GB News, unsurprisingly. So often there are sort of segments of shows that sort of threaten to overtake it. So I'll try and keep the lid on this, but. Um GB News has been with us for about a week now. Um I will sort of I'll add a little bit of a disclaimer um in the sense obviously I, I'm a PR so there are people that have on GB News who has been clients of mine who are cl- clients of mine or who who will be in the future and I'll I'll be honest I will keep I will keep watching um but it's impossible not to have noticed uh, and perhaps inevitable that there have been a series of fairly sort of epic failures um so we should really get stuck into that because they they sort of they come under various headings um i'm actually gonna i'm gonna start with uh, uh a tweet specifically about the studio i mean literally you have to have different headings for the fails on this if we start with the studio uh well i picked out a tweet well, from, it's like you've written
1: a dissertation on this do you think you've uh, got a bit obsessed this week uh, i, I with did
0: this? get a little bit obsessed with that yeah, actually I can hang see on that now uh, where is uh this is the this is the, the bit where it's become slightly less slick oh no my favorite if my favorite tweet is not here i will be so it's great uh, that it's got slightly demorized. less
1: slick at the point you're talking about gb news it's i know it's i know i've oh, well totally been we've found all got out the irony that.
0: of that right come on where are you oh damn how annoying there is well, basically i'm gonna to have to tell you the tweet now there is a there's a lovely tweet about the interior so um from a guy called James who works I think at BT Sport, uh, I'll, I'll find your tweet later James, uh, basically said why does the studio at GB News Studio look like the inside of a PlayStation 4 and it's like wow, <laughs> direct hit, um, I promise to look at that uh, for that tweet properly, I recommend you go and look at our stream for that because I mean it, that was the first thing, it, it's this dark and moody studio.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, is it a PS4? That was. I think that's a pretty direct hit. It kind of looks like the sort of spaceship that was going to be imminently taken over by an invading force on, you know, Blake 7, if anyone remembers that far back, Doctor Who, take your pick of sci-fi. Or a boy's bedroom in the 1980s.
1: Yeah, or just a boy's bedroom full stop. I think it has that kind of boy's bedroom look and feel, and I dare say smell to it. The bit I don't understand, I know it's a new channel, But there are people who are working on the channel and it's not their first job in television. So if people are capable of creating good content uh, in in television and they've hired those people, the bit I do not understand is how nobody was like, oh, the production values are a bit off and maybe we need to sort the graphics out and the capacity to have OB links and stuff. I don't understand. It's not like they were told to run it with a bunch of GCSE media studies students, although it does look like that.
0: Well, um, I mean... That is it. I and mean, they obviously must have had a, uh, you know, a dress rehearsal for this. Um, oh, here we go. How can yeah, how can I, good. what is it? There we go. GB News is hilariously budget. And also why is it being broadcast yeah. from Mr. Well done, James. Um, it, it, yeah, they they obviously had a dress rehearsal. But I mean, the key thing that they got wrong on this um, was, well, the key thing that's still plaguing them is the sounds. Now we'll, we'll get down to your uh, tweet in a minute because even even when the sound goes correctly there are still problems um, but let's find your tweet on this it's like they Isn't... haven't
1: thought about I mean news is notoriously the most difficult thing to produce by virtue of the fact that it's topical and it has to be done live uh, but it's like they haven't thought about that it's like it's kind of like what bit of this did you not foresee so as someone who's worked in television as a tv executive my whole life I'm like "Mm, a lot of this was avoidable I would say but maybe that maybe it was the big publicity thing maybe they thought we're going to go big we're going to screw everything up everyone will be talking about us um they know what they couldn't make the news by having opinions that were very um you know counter to what we're seeing on other broadcasts because we knew that was coming so maybe this was the way
0: I don't know we see i don't i'd have to take a bit of issue with the count the counter opinions and they are giving voice i mean ash sarkar described it as culture all cultural all of the time which is fairly bang on sorry Ash. probably should have included your tweet there but but yeah and that's true because we're hearing a lot more about the cultures and that is starting to kind of hit the mainstream it's taken a very long time for some sort of sense of the cultural to actually Be discussed in in a sort of uh, you know normal TV interview, if you like. So I think how balanced
1: how balanced do you think this is ever going to be? And and I accept that nothing with things balanced. You know, I'm a a Guardian reader, and the Guardian has got less and less balanced, I would say, of late, to the point that I'm starting to find it a bit of a harder read. So, but do do you really think there'll be much kind of balance and a sensible looking at all sides of the debate on on GB News?
0: Um, I think it's going to be a bit too echo chambery if the guest patterns retain some, you know, the way that they've been traveling so far. I'm really interested to see some of the people that I have interviewed on. I mean, I don't agree with, um, there's a lot of people like Dominic Samuels, I don't agree with her on lockdowns, for example, but she's a very interesting young voice. Uh, Constantine Kissing, who's part of the Trigonometry uh, podcast. I'm always interested um, in what he has got to say. Yeah, me I don't too. Agree. Yeah, he's an
1: intelligent voice.
0: Exactly. And I don't always agree with him e- either, but I, you know, I mean, yesterday Andrew Doyle had, who I do massively respect and got a lot of time for, he had Leo Curse and N. Allen on. Um, they were sort of trying to balance it. And some of the people that they've had on trying to balance things, you know, it's a good sign that those people are willing to, to come on to GB News to give it that balance, because it, yeah, of course, it, it absolutely needs that. Um, speaking I would of think balance... If I
1: didn't know you were taking the piss of GB News a bit in this show. After that, I'd be like, are you doing the PR for GB News, <laughs> Julian? Is that why you set up Let's Kill Twitter? Because you were like, in a few weeks, someone's <laughs> going to need to come in and do a balanced, you know, validation of what it is.
0: Well, I mean... No, I mean, I just, well, I'll tell you what, I'll get to. you see, that sort of segues slightly into the reaction about this. Let's go, let's go on to the sound element um, first, because, of course, they've had a lot of hitches with sound. I mean, honestly, it makes the Zoom communication look absolutely flawless, um, yeah. They've had, you know, and it's been troublesome for them. But this example that you picked out from the account GB News Fails, which obviously set up uh, only in the last week and I think now has, oh, my word. 72.8k followers I mean uh, that is incredible it was on 30,000 about two or three days ago um yeah, I mean it's I noticed they put, up isn't it well yeah I noticed they put out a tweet saying um oh god what was it thanks to you know thanks so much for so many like-minded followers it's like that is not how twitter works I do no. not fo- I don't follow an account because I am necessarily like-minded so I felt a wee bit patronized by that yeah but- yeah yeah there is a constant stream of... Uh, there's a lot on know, there. There's a lot on there. And yeah. the one you picked out um, is here. Um, if you read it out and then I'll press play and we'll get it.
1: So we think this is the first F-bomb. Whoops, could happen to anyone, though. It's happened to us in a previous life at GB News Fails.
0: All right, so this is an interview with Sean Ryder. And need I say need more, I say? Look more, at Sean really?
1: Ryder, though, as well. Look at the two of them. Neither of them are at their best, are they? I've got a good one for
0: you here, Sean, this time from Paul. Now, Paul was diagnosed dyspraxic in 2017 at the age of 47, and he now has a BSc in psychology research. Uh, Paul asks, did your school years ever leave you feeling unaccepted in society? Were you an outsider at school? Fucking absolutely. Like I said, I didn't, I didn't know the alphabet until so I was you know, 28 years old. <laughs> Straight
1: in there. Straight Second in there. Your first word. I mean, it's not a surprise, is it? If you get Sean Ryder on anything live, you sort of. know you're flying by the seat of your pants. But nobody was there to think that one through, were they?
0: No, I mean, this is. I mean, Sh- Sean sort of looks a bit like. I mean, I love Sean Ryder, but he's looking a little bit like Jabba the Hut with headphones on that pic, isn't he? Yeah, um, or Father
1: Christmas, Raymond Briggs, Father Christmas, but without no. the um, without the without the bonnet.
0: Uh, totally. and is it Neil? The presenter is Neil Oliver, isn't Neil it?
1: Neil Oliver, yeah. Who's who's such an intelligent, um, done so many interesting things. Such an intelligent man, and and I do actually love the way he expresses himself. He's got an incredible way with words, but some of the stuff he says is is quite dubious these days.
0: Well, I yeah, I mean, I've, I I hear people sort of saying that his column in uh, I Scotsman on Sunday. I think he has a column, and that's been mm-hmm. quite interesting of late. I haven't, have say, I haven't followed it, but uh, other commentators have mentioned that. I have to say, I don't know whether the sound on that clip was, was us or them, but anyway, um, so what we were kind of touching on there was like, oh, you know, the whole, like, uh, how, how do I feel about sort of GB News in a way? Like, am I doing the PR, secretly doing the PR for them? Uh, I'm not, sadly, but um, what, I do, what I do feel is that um, the, the kind of uh, people taking the, the PR out of it, I mean, look, it's again, we said it's inevitable, there's loads of examples of it, some of them are, you know, are hilarious. It is a new show, um, but the reaction to it. So, for example, the comedian who did. OK, I know it's Lawrence Fox, but I think there was a the Lawrence Fox um, appearance on Dan Wooden's show. Uh, one of the comedians, one of the people that sort of phoned in or zoomed in as a member of the public uh, was basically showing his arse crack. I mean, you could only tell that because of the mirror image behind him. So there was the arse crack thing. Then there was the classic um, bogus names. Um, So it was, and I will say these carefully, it was Mike Hunt. It was, even if you say them carefully, they're bad. Uh, Mike Oxlong and uh, what was the other one? Cleo Torres, which in fairness, it's quite hard to find the joke in that one, if you know what I mean. (laughs) But... I mean, so I just, I felt that was a little bit, um, I don't, it was just a bit, just something a little bit kind of uh, immature about that, actually. Sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that is immature. That is puerile, but we get puerile, don't we? Uh, in the, And this has been, I mean, there has been a lot to play with. If you've got a little bit of a puerile sense of humour and you want somewhere to go with it, this has been a good target this week. It's given us all something to have a pop at, hasn't it?
0: It's true, it's true. Well, this is why I've slightly fallen into lying with Dan Hodges tweet, um, yeah, I quite like Dan Hodges, I know people will be spitting their tea out at this point, but um, GB News will succeed, says Dan, and that will be <laughs> because of its opponents, not its supporters, so is is all the kind of, um, you know, brick lobbying? is it all self-defeating?
1: I think all publicity, as you know, Julian, it's your job, um, I do think there's something to be said for all publicity, is good publicity at this point, I mean, they were never going to be a popular launch with a lot of people, so why not go full incompetent and get the whole world tweeting about you?
0: Are you tempted, given what you've seen of it, albeit in sort of clip form, I know, but but are you tempted to kind of dive in a bit more now? To watch
1: any? No. Would I be um, willing to be part of a debate where different political views were represented? Uh, Yes. Uh, because I, I've, yes, I would be, I'm interested, I am actually, you know, I, I think if there's one thing we learned from what's gone on in recent years, it's that we'd all got into our little sort of media bubbles. And I was absolutely guilty of that, of not uh, not diving in enough into what else was going on outside of what I believed and the people I hang out with who confirmed my bias on things. So I was as guilty as anyone of that. So for that reason, yes, I would be uh, interested in being part of a debate uh, as long as I was able to be part of a debate with my own political views so um but will i sit and watch loads of it i'll definitely dip into it a bit just because i am very aware of trying to keep my i mean you know i'll watch bits of fox news because i'm just sort of fascinated by what's going on over there and, and how they've managed to have such an impact on the voting public so yes i mean i'll look at it will i sit back with a nice cup of tea and enjoy it i doubt that
0: well does, i mean so if they were to call, they call you on you to sort of even up a, a panel debate on something would you entertain
1: yeah i would entertain that i would as long as i was there to even up the panel debate you know i I would if the booking was me to be there with my own political views and opinions and then yes um i i wouldn't um entertain uh sort of anything that that maybe yeah what was out of keeping with my values and beliefs and politics so yes but but in terms of there being a, a kind of debate you know yes I, I think there always needs to be a debate with many sides to I interviewed Matt Ford for my podcast yeah and um that's his whole thing is that you know that everybody you know in the, in the sort of Labour the Labour Party and Labour voters were so in their bubble um that we've kind of let any chance I say we because I'm a Labour voter that we let any chance of kind of having anyone electable just elude us for a long time um yeah. you know that's why he's a kind of centrist the Blair right because of that so yeah I think if you look at people who are wanting their own party to be electable whatever that party might be we have to have forums where different viewpoints are represented i, I totally buy that
0: yeah i mean i can't see matt uh, necessarily going on on gb news i have to say but um
1: you think not even to throw the you know labor book at them
0: i mean mate it's possible it's possible and i know that he can be quite fearsome. i mean one of the last times i saw matt was in a zoom room chat with uh, shami chakrabarti that was interesting That was pretty feisty yeah he's a
1: very and and he's incredibly well informed i mean you know he and and he, he knows his shit and he knows how to express it so that's you know that's some good stuff he's got going there
0: yeah uh well i definitely want to get matt on the show actually at some point i will definitely be asking him um i think that's good i think it's important that gb news know that you're available they obviously have your twitter handle now I know how to get a hold of
1: you, and really it's just about how much. No, it's not, it's actually not. As we know, you get paid so sort of all for those things. Um, so yeah, but it's a bit like when Jeff Norcott did, um, you know, did question, you know, not yeah, did question time for the first time, you know, and you do lay yourself open with those things. And you know, somebody like him, you know, I work a lot with Jeff, I've got a huge respect for him as a comedian. And most forums that he goes into, he's the kind of counter to everything else that's going on. Um, But you wouldn't say, well, he shouldn't be doing that or the BBC shouldn't be booking him. You know, he's an important voice to have, um, I think.
0: Yeah, no, well, I mean, obviously, again, uh, uh, you know, I am Jeff Norcott's PR, uh, as many people will already know. But, um, uh, you know, I'd agree if, objectively, that's very clear that he does, he he balances up a room. um, And I think, yeah, I think as long as GB News finds a way of balancing up their panels, then that that their longevity will sort of benefit from that. But my other sort of thought about the longevity overall, and I've read a few pieces on this, there's been really good pieces from um, all sorts of journalists, including Janine Gibson and and various others. And um, it's, the question for me is that a lot of it is obviously based on the cultural dynamics. Now, will that, that could burn out. And if that burns out, the interest in GB News will go with it. I mean, I know that's a bit like crystal ball. And for the moment, there is literally not a day goes by when there is not grist to that mill of the culture war. So it's actually quite hard to see that there is an ending, but then it's a a very particular narrative as well. So, And
1: there'll be a counter to this. I mean, you know, if you look at what's gone on you know, through the decades in every way, culturally, societally, politically, you know, things come and they go in cycles. So I'd say we're in this cycle to stay for quite some time to come. So I would imagine GB News isn't going anywhere for
0: a while. Yeah. Okay. Now we should leave on that because there's so much more we could do, but it would uh, overtake the show. You can see all the tweets that we've retweeted to our main timeline, but tonight they're under the likes column for discussion. So there's a few people getting into the issue of the advertising and IKEA sort of vault fast in terms of whether or not they were going to advertise with uh, GB News. There's a couple of tweets on that Matt Chorley, Mac, uh, Mark Wallace, um, there's the Jim Pickard tweet there about GB News being called uh, Weather Things TV. So there's plenty there for everyone, whether you are a lover, <laughs> hater, or uh, slightly in between, which is no one at the moment. And then there's um, I mean, there is a very amusing, I may have to do, I I I don't think I can resist this. There is a very amusing exchange of John Nicholson MP, the SNP MP, has very kindly screenshotted tweets that are subsequently being deleted between Matt Stadlin, a broadcaster, I think Matt's still on um, LBC. Very nice man, I see him very often on Jeremy Vine. I keep mentioning the Jeremy Vine Channel 5 show because I watch it every day. Um, And it's between him and uh, John McCandrew, who is uh, sort of GB News' CEO, uh, Big Cheese, and that started the exchange with is GB News a spoof station, so that is quite similar to a lot of uh, uh, tweets in that vein, you know, is it North Norfolk TV and all that kind of thing. And then John (laughs) McCandrew replied, no, it's a startup, Matt, with all the difficulties entailed, but I appreciate you sending your CV and applying for a presenting role on several occasions to which Matt then replies, it's an embarrassment, John. I'm really glad you, did, you didn't have the courtesy to reply to my CV. Had you done so, you might have offered me a job and I might then have been part of the embarrassment. Um, now, John um, Nicholson seems to think that, that, that that's a win for Matthew Stadland, but as this tweet underneath the original, uh, I, I didn't fancy her anyway. <laughs> it's basically the characterisation, I think. I mean, it's a bit, a bit embarrassing i mean the happy ending with this is that the two of them have made up on twitter they've deleted their um their, spat. their, their original spat which is very admirable but you know we are sure about twitter so you know i'm sorry that i am going to look for the screenshots um and, but it is i mean it is good that people can actually make go back from that um because it's a, a wee bit queasy have you ever had anything queasy like that happen to you on twitter
1: do you know i'm I am quite opinionated um as you probably know you know me a little bit, but i do, I do a sort of um i do don't I, I don't really use Twitter to get embroiled in this kind of stuff i, I just don't so my twitter is is kind of more upbeat and um, talking about shows and retweeting people's stuff I like I'm quite yeah I don't really get into anything too controversial on twitter um I just think it can be I mean I'm a funny guest in that regard because i I don't really get embroiled in stuff
0: yeah I don't. Outlook
1: i've gone out, i've gone out with a couple of guys uh, over the years who've have had personas on twitter you know so accounts that aren't aren't in their name but you know where they're not pretending it's their name where it's the whatever i won't say what they are but you know like a sort of gb news fails type thing only they're behind whatever it might be and they've got and they get so immersed in it and i just think oh and they sort of think they live this alternate reality that seems to be quite toxic so i i don't know i i i'm i'm quite sort of old school in how i use twitter so no is in answer to your question
0: no i mean it, it fairly that is sort of the one of the reasons for setting up the show was yes I'm a Twitter holic but it not in a not in the way that you've just described I can I can see where those guys are coming from but not in that way it was it was meant to be a forum for you know I collect tweets throughout the week so this this release of actually being able to talk about Twitter with someone else is is fantastic because actually um that's kind of what you want to make it real in a way and it was semi sort of inspired by Uh, an item on the news I saw about a group of people who um would go into pubs and talk about whatever Facebook posts they would seen or that day so they'd actually moved Facebook into a discussion group um which is kind of what we're sort of we're trying to do here but it's a bit
1: like AA though isn't it it's like you know so you you go to an (laughs) an AA or an NA meeting like if we need meetings to help us process it maybe there's a problem with how much we're consuming it I could say
0: yeah, I know I've got a problem. That's I know, you, and that's fine. I, but, hello, I'm Julian, and I'm addicted to What was the? Did you Twitter. watch the?
1: Um, I should remember what the name is. The the, the thing that everybody watched on the social, whatever. the, oh, what was the social.
0: Oh, uh, the the documentary.
1: Yeah, what was it called?
0: Uh, oh, so well, we'll the
1: film dig is out, but
0: yes yeah, so Tristram there's a guy called Tristram yeah. uh, mainly behind it um, but basically
1: looking at the impact of us living in a world hmm. that's entirely governed by social media and what impact that's having on us as a society and what we can do and I know so many people who watch that and then were like right that's it i am no they didn't delete their Twitter or their Facebook or anything but people who made adjustments like I'm only going to look at Twitter once a day and I'm going to hide notifications of course within a month everyone's back to what they were doing to start with but I mean it is a you know it is a it's a bit of a of all the social media platforms and i i'm on them all it's probably the one i least enjoy being on if i'm honest
0: <laughs> i'm so the opposite <laughs> uh, but it suits just... your
1: job right it suits your job if you're, if you're in pr you can't really ignore twitter
0: yeah, although you could say the same about Instagram, and I really am not that keen on Instagram. See,
1: I like Instagram. Mm. I I just find it a much more a bit like getting into a warm bath. This, this with all like your it. friends.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and some people have actually posted pictures to that effect. I think. There you
1: go. Now that the restrictions are lifting, what could be nicer?
0: I mean, that's interesting because that's a bit of a there's a bit of a yin yang kind of uh, thing going on with the uh, Insta and Twitter because they are they do feel like almost like the polar opposite, don't they?
1: They do and I don't know how many I mean I've been on Twitter for five years or something and I don't know how many tweets I've done but it will be not very many compared to most people who've been on for as long as me.
0: Yeah well you've picked some great ones tonight though and I'm very glad you picked this one. It is uh, well it's, it's basically the headline tweet really Um, the Dominic Cummings so if you just want to read that one out and then you can Fentiful. So, yes,
1: I'm just going to move on. So Cummings leaks WhatsApp of Boris Johnson, which show he was considering giving Hancock the sack and replacing him with Gove. Now, full disclosure, there were lots of much funnier tweets that showed this same screenshot. But as you know, Julian, I was out with my dad for Father's Day, so I didn't have time to ferret through all well the ones you. I liked. But there were some very, very funny comments about this. I mean, to me this was the, the language on it, you know, it was, I said, why is he kind of like, he's in a sort of, you know, year nine WhatsApp group. Like the, the, the I think Boris Johnson's language in this and his, I mean, that's what absolutely beggars belief among other things. It's like, you know, the, Oh, Brill, I'm all ears. You know, it's like, my kids don't even sort of write like that. It was, I just was, I mean, it wasn't a great surprise that our great leader might communicate in this way. And the fact that Dominic Cummings came across them I in mean, his bits of this seemed incredibly erudite and well-researched compared to our prime minister's response. So what a shit show. I
0: am. Um... So, I mean, he should, have, he should have said it in Latin or Greek. I don't know why I didn't lose that opportunity. Because he's
1: shit at Latin and Greek, like everything else. Is it?
0: That's, that's, that's not what I've heard.
1: Is it not what you've heard?
0: No, I well, Jeremy Corbyn was on Ian Dale's show on LBC a few weeks ago going, and um, we'll come to the Corbyns later, but he was saying how, um, the, the, Ian Dale basically asked him who was the most uh, interesting leader that you'd served, or PM that you'd served under, because he'd served opposite Cameron, um, Theresa May, and Boris Johnson. And Corbyn sort of, without sort of, you know, batting an eyelid so well, Boris Johnson was certainly the most entertaining. And he was talking about a, a conversation they'd had where Boris suddenly broke into sort of, uh, I can't remember if it was Latin or Greek, I think it was Latin. And, you know, I thought that was his thing. I, I didn't no, know it bad be, the, the,
1: It'll be his, you know, you know how people can pretend they can speak French because they can order a baguette and a bit of, you know, cheese in France. It'll be like that. He'll have his thing that he does. I mean, I went, I also, I got my Latin O-level as it was in those days. Um, so, you know, I won't do it now, but I could read out a few things in Latin. And anyone who didn't know any Latin might be like, ooh. You know, but it probably was like, you know, the Eton School motto and one thing he'd learn in, you know, in chapel or something. I don't, I don't believe He's just, that bri- brilliant
0: at Latin. I'm just, just not reading brilliant. off the edges of coins. <laughs> anyway, I digress slightly. One of the things that sort of obviously fascinates me is, well, I, I, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but um, it's the kind of story that years ago, 80s, 90s, probably 2000s, if it had happened, it, it would have been discussed all week, I think. But it felt like, yeah. Whatever. I mean, it was partly maybe that's because a lot of people are thinking, yeah, we think that Matt Hancock is, you know, a bit of a knob as well. Or so maybe it's that or maybe it's just the, the world we live in, which let's face it. I mean, if, we, if you follow the politics for all account where this one is from, I mean, literally there is sort of the gleaning of banging headline sort of every second and it's like news yeah. overload that's the but one this we was in.
1: i was surprised i don't think i i don't know about you but i really didn't think cummings had much to kind of show i just thought well, the reason he's taken so long is because he hasn't got i didn't realize he really was going to manage to pull stuff like this out of the bag it just it also that the fact that boris johnson's been giving out his actual phone number to so many people and not realizing that there might be some kind of conflict there or, or sort of security risk it's it's just the kind of incompetence of it and the fact that, you know, are they all sort of technologically a bit behind the rest of the world? Why would they not, you know, I, I would, at least he needs burn burner phone. Like, what's going on here? It makes no sense.
0: <laughs> it, 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 it's just come, conjure sort of uh, up, images of Cummings sort of stroking a white hat and having his finger poised over the sort of button to send this sort of evidence because he certainly took his sweet time
1: I was thinking when I, I walked. Um, I live in Kentish Town, and I was walking down Kentish Town High Street on my way back from Pilates yesterday because I'm nothing if not a North London wow. cliche.
0: in the
1: North London dream. And I was um, and I was walking back up the high street, and I thought I saw Dominic Cummings, and it wasn't Dominic Cummings. He lives, I think he lives West London anyway. But I was thinking when I thought it was him for a minute, I thought, what must his life be like at the moment? Like the, if he wants to just pop out and get a, you know, a sandwich or a coffee. I don't know. It must be so weird to be him or his kid or his wife given the role he's got and what everyone thinks of him. I mean maybe he doesn't give a shit. I, I couldn't quite imagine what it would be like to be in his shoes, right? Well now.
0: I don't know if it could be as bad as when he came back from Barnard Castle and the World's Press and others were parked outside. But of he's still house,
1: got so. that right he's still got that present. Like that's so recent and that was such a kind of Brilliant moment in terms of taking the piss out of him in such a horrendous moment when we realised who was governing us. So that's so recent. And now all of this, and I just think, God, what a weird and all those stills they took from him, um, you know, giving evidence. I just thought, I don't know, maybe people don't care when they're in that position, but I couldn't imagine what it'd be like to take a stroll through your neighbourhood as Dominic Cummings right now.
0: <laughs> well, that's the, I guess that's the other side of the equation. So I wonder, you know, well, people obviously. There are people who don't like Matt Hancock, so they probably just saw that tweet and thought I oh, saw the, the WhatsApp exchange and thought, oh, you know, well, at least Boris is thinking along the same lines. But the other half of the equation is, of course, that it's come from Dom Cummings and, you know, he's he's still not what he's got to say may be relevant, but it's still not it's not, not particularly well liked, is it?
1: He's not well liked. And I will say about Matt Hancock, um, I dare say a lot of us have um, felt very similar um, to what Boris Johnson expresses there. But I always think, um, I always feel maternal towards Matt Hancock and I don't mean I love him and want him to come and live here. But I I a bit of me feels like, you know, it's like when I saw my kids in school plays and I just wasn't sure if they'd learnt their lines and they looked like they were about to fall off the stage or trip over their outfit. And I was like, oh, you know, I don't know if you're going to get through the end of the sentence. And I felt really nervous for them. And something about, same as I used to feel when Theresa May started talking, I'd be like, oh, you do not seem in control of this sentence. And I feel everything that Hancock says, even if it's something that he does understand and believes, I'm like, "Well, you just don't seem plausible." I feel like you're so out of your depth here. Like you've been, yeah, like you've been put in the sixth form play when you're only eleven. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't instill confidence in me. Let's just say. But clearly
0: not the. He doesn't instill an antipathy. That others might do. So, for example, I mean, you know, just try to at a name out of thin air. Gavin Williamson, for example, you know, probably have a sort of less people or sort of less well disposed, even to Gavin Williamson. Well, I don't rather. feel
1: well disposed towards Hancock, and that probably sounds like I'm just a really bad mother. How could I have maternal feelings and think he's an arsehole? But there's something about, even though I, I think he's done some pretty horrific things and said, and, and certainly been quite willing to lie, there's just a sort of when I see people who just cannot cope. When they're thrown to the lions and they're trying to talk to you know whatever interviewer and everyone's watching them and they just are so out of their depth, even if I think they're despicable people, I just think oh god something in me just mm-hmm. you see this is why I'm not a good person for Twitter because I ultimately I can't be as cruel as people can be because I suddenly get a bit empathetic as when well. I think oh but he is a human being he was somebody's toddler and he hasn't learned to speak in public properly yet. <laughs>
0: uh well yeah i mean well it's a bit of a rogue it's a slight sort of rogues gallery this evening so but, but i'm tempted to sort of jump on to uh uh to pierce corbyn but i'm not going to i'm going to break it up with a little bit of richard madeley because you know we all we should all break things up with a little bit of richard madeley uh so um he
1: does crop up in unexpected places doesn't he richard madeley that's what he's made a career out of and here he is again
0: here he is again so yeah you picked out david baddiel's tweet on this if you just want to read that out and then we'll get to it
1: so this is David Baddiel saying one day I would quite like to see, see Steve Coogan do a bit called Alan Partridge reads out Richard Maidley's best lines. And this was in response to Maidley having gone more Partridge than Partridge um, on Good Morning Britain.
0: Yeah, so this is a chap called Scott who, uh, I assume it's a chap called Scott, who, who tweeted that Maidley's just gone full Partridge again when talking about Shamima Begum. So let's listen to the clip. Making a mistake is on Twitter. He says, look, at the age she left, making a mistake is getting a tattoo that you regret or a one-night stand, but deliberately joining a terrorist organization that loathes and hates the country you come from. And all the effort involved in getting there seems to tell a clear story to me. We've had lots and lots of messages like that. There's one interesting point. I was thinking about this last night. Obviously, we had the Nuremberg trials after the war and we hanged quite, quite a few Nazis and we imprisoned a lot of others and we let them out eventually. But we didn't go after the Hitler Youth, <laughs> as far as I'm aware. We didn't go after the Hitler Youth. We only went after adults um, who'd served in the Hitler regime. And that's just something to reflect on, I think. Anyway, thank for on Twitter. Oh, my, and my Twitter, word. Of- <laughs>
1: and it's Susanna Reid's face. Oh. I mean, the whole thing is, it, it could not be more Partridge, could it? If it tried? <laughs> I mean, I think if they'd done this... Uh, on an actual Partridge episode they'd have been someone would have gone no steve that is a that's a bit over the top you know that no one's going to buy that it's too partridge for partridge isn't it
0: oh goodness me i mean there's been a <laughs> there's been a few maggly moments uh, recently was well, well, not that long ago when he was talking about uh, you know when your family pet has become too much of a burden you know is it time was it <laughs> is it time to kill the dog or whatever it was just something <laughs> just so sort of you know uh emphatic but I mean such
1: a cringe with I mean he used to I I think I'm a bit older than you Julian but I certainly watched him when he presented this morning with um Judy Finnegan um uh, that was what I got through my sort of uni days watching when I was meant to be revising so in the late 80s I saw you know every day I'd watch them on this morning and he was just always saying completely inappropriate things and he's and I've met him quite a few times through my job in telly you know he's He's sort of been in that same world, and he just has a—he, you feel like he's always on the cusp of a massive gaff that he's never more than three sentences away from some shit like this, you know. He—he's—that's just what he does.
0: Oh dear, I—I I think I'm older than you think, actually, Callie. But yes, I—I I mean, I do remember—I um, do remember those sort of days, really. But uh, he's quite—he's quite a collector's item, I have to say. Um, but he does look exactly the same, he he looked, did when and he's he at looks,
1: university.
0: And he looks exactly the same. I mean, there's a portrait in his latic, isn't there? There's got to be.
1: There's got to be, but that literally looks like he looked when he was in the Liverpool Dock in 1987.
0: Oh yeah, I remember that uh, with the weatherman standing on the map on of the map on a foam
1: map. <laughs> yes, young people.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Before we have to explain the show in subtitles to our younger viewers, exactly. let's. Uh, Let's go to another lost cause. Oh, yes, it's Piers Corbyn. Um, and this is uh, this is a tweet by uh, literary agent Johnny Geller. Fire away, Callie.
1: Piers Corbyn proving once again the old adage, revolution begins by the careful removal of public health stickers. So, yeah, this was, um, was uh, Piers Corbyn doing what he likes to do best, erratic behaviour, based on his um, conspiracy-fuelled mentality so this was him taking down all the stickers the covid compliance stickers on uh on the tube
0: wow that's such a such a revolutionary but doing doing it so yeah i mean carefully is the worst as he's doing it's so, like oh no better not leave a trace yeah, it's not
1: thorough i don't think it's i don't think it's respectfully carefully the bit i feel well i mean there's a few things you think when you see this but also um, he's wandering about without a mask when everyone else is trying to be considerate and have a so that the fact he's quite willing to do that, I know no surprise, but it's quite a crowded tube. But also like no one's got money and resource and time to bugger about on, you know, on the tube at the moment. I know um, one of my friends is a tube driver. This is not an easy time for people working down there. They don't need this shit going on. But look at his hair. Come on, look at that. He looks like, um, what's his name? Marty McFly.
0: Uh, you mean uh, Doc?
1: Yeah, yes. yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, he's got the sort of the hairdryer effect coming through the middle of the tube there. I mean, you know, I don't. Yeah, I, I just. Uh, I mean, he's no stranger to being arrested. He's already been arrested recently, and I think that London Transport certainly asking some questions after they saw this footage. Um, I mean, he's he's a he's a weather forecaster by. Trade, but I mean, I think he's on the sort of uh, climate denial side.
1: I think they should put him on a foam map. Which again, our younger viewers won't know what why I'm saying that. Put him on a foam map and set him out to sea.
0: Yeah. Well, it's 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 maybe you know who knows. I don't know what his next move is. I mean, I just think what his next move is going to be after uh, the sort of the lockdown. Um, you know, the kind of. I mean, we we've had a lockdown. We've had an anti-lockdown movement, which has been. Fairly vocal, I mean, I know in the states with reopen, you know we had a massive part to play, and all the rest of it, but it's it isn't it's a yet another sort of schism in our politics, and that's something you can see absolutely on Twitter, you know we've had brexit and we've had the lockdown and it, you know there, we're in so many venn diagrams now, I think we may have lost ourselves i don't know
1: yeah, we may have done, but this is and you know people I am a believer in the right of free speech, but um yeah.
0: What a prick. <laughs> well, there you are exercising your free speech. I come, am. So that's, that's absolutely fine. So I think we have managed, look at the, we're sailing on time. Uh, we have managed to get to, uh, right. You're going to have to do the pronunciations and everything. is cat
1: capybara man capybara yeah capybara and this is a baby burr. so there's the only the the reason i put this up partly because that's cute i mean look at that cute thing but um everyone likes the picture of a baby animal but this account it's really for this account so capybara man um it's definitely worth a look at so this is a guy who um i'm assuming a guy as it says capybara man who tweets um only tweets about capybaras and because i am the parent of an autistic zookeeper who happens to be uh, well he's a primate specialist but he's a, generally a mammal keeper so that's what he does so he's, he's all about the mammal so I know an enormous amount about weird mammals that lots of people haven't heard of so this is a, this is basically a large um rodent as you can probably see um it's a south it's a native to South America and it's not endangered actually so it's actually but the interesting thing about the capybara and I'm working up some material about this for my comedy um is that it's a so it's a therapy it's used as a therapy animal so you know you have like therapy dogs and thera- that go into hospitals and stuff the capybara has a, and if anyone is watching who does know a lot about the capybara, they'll correct me on the details. But basically, they, they are like the chilled out kind of stoner at the party. They'll calm everyone down. They're wise. They soothe everybody. And what if you put them in with any other animals, they calm down the animals and sort of sort out the neuroses of other species. So they're this sort of kind of wise, stoned guru of the animal world as well. So they're just such an interesting animal. And this guy does nothing but tweet about Capybaras. He also does try and flog merchandise for Capybaras. But I, it's a very, it's a nice antidote to some of the stuff you see on Twitter.
0: There is a lot of nice animal sort of stuff on Twitter, I must admit, um, or there's some good, curious stuff. But uh, I mean, that really, this really is niche, isn't it? I mean, just... it's
1: really niche. No one would have found this um, without, I mean, I don't know how many I can't remember how many followers he's got, um, but, but, you know, he's not like in the hundreds of thousands. But, yeah, he is. Um, and actually, I only found out about him because I was backstage at a gig. Hey, not bad. I, That's not bad, That's yeah. Not bad. I, was talki- I was talking with someone at a gig about my son's zookeeper job, and I said, oh, I need to start working up some um, kind of mammal-keeper material. Um, and then she said, oh, you've got to look at this Capybara man. There's some really good shit in there. So, But, I mean, you know, everyone's looking at cats falling off wardrobes. Who's looking at a baby borough? And tell us now.
0: Well, totally. And, then, and Greta Thunberg is following him. I mean, well, you know, there you go. And me, look, and, you. and
1: Callie Beaton. <laughs> yeah. That might be the only time you see us next to each other um, in the world of social media. So that alone is worth something.
0: Yeah, that's true. That that that's an interesting billing, actually. That's the other. F- it also uh, looks
1: like my podcast is called Namaste Moth, which is not what it's called. No, it's
0: not. Well, we can we can absolutely. Well, you have a little uh, plug zone uh, in order to to talk about. Uh, <laughs> And we'll do it now let's let's talk about
1: <laughs> i made you do it even if yeah it was gonna one. happen
0: yeah it was gonna happen <laughs> at some point in the next two minutes so yeah t- tell me about the podcast because that is one of that's your latest sort of
1: uh my latest venture
0: latest yes venture. so
1: namaste motherfuckers so i thought i would try and do um or try and do i am doing i thought i would do a podcast where the three sort of things i sort of do the most are obviously comedy um kind of stuff to do with work and business so with my background sort of you know broad level and telly and stuff so I get booked to talk a lot about those things and then I also have worked as a coach and done loads of stuff in that in the sort of self-help E- emotional intelligence arena, sort of well-being. So I thought if there's a way to bring all of that together and get people's kind of life stories, but through those kind of prisms, that's what I'll do. So Namaste motherfuckers also seem to sum up my kind of feelings about the world. So I am quite kind of, you know, I'll meditate and I'll do stuff that's good for my chakras, but I'm also quite, um, I've got quite a sort of dark sense of humour and and, I, and I'm and i not very earnest so it seemed to sum it up really. So yeah, it's it's a sort of, um, it is based on interviews. I've interviewed Jeff Norcott among others and it's, but it's looking at... Um, it leads up to what their namaste motherfucking moment is so what dam- damasin moment um, has changed their life but generally I tend to get stories people don't always get out of my guests um, so mm. I've had some really lovely ones um, Rosie Jones I had a popular episode with her Richard Osman tomorrow John Lloyd is coming out John Lloyd as wow. in creator of Blackadder and Hitchhiker's Guide and QI oh. um, so yeah I've got it and it's not so it's not all com- comedians on it um, there are comedians on it but writers artists you you know, I've got the founder of the Hoffman process um coming on in a couple of weeks so so it's pretty eclectic but it's, I love it I love doing it it's my favorite thing I do at the moment
0: yeah well I, I can totally understand that I mean it, you know d- doing this is is really really great fun and that is and that is something I'm, I'm certainly interested in the well-being side of things as well and uh I, I don't consider myself particularly new age but I do think that things like meditation are, you know they are very important tools and um yeah it's interesting that you're getting good stuff out of your subjects um I mean yeah I've...
1: sort of weird weird stories I think it probably is because I've done so much work in this sort of therapy and coaching arena people sort of kind of calm down and and sort of do say things it's a bit like they with wellbeing. when you say I'm not new age it's a bit like that Arthur I've had Arthur Smith on and Arthur, he doesn't tell this joke in my podcast but I've heard him do a joke on stage Where he talks about Radio Four and if he's in a young club, you know, he goes, you know, and I'm sure lots of you, you know, lots of you probably aren't Radio Four listeners. I mean, if you have never listened to Radio Four, don't worry you will um, and it's that idea that every and it's I've a bit like that with well-being and new age stuff I mean you know it's easy to be cynical when you're 22 and go ah, oh, you know sod it but as you get older you're like if I don't start to believe in my spirit my body's going what am I going to have left so I think people come to well-being sooner or later
0: yeah I mean obviously what you've got left is, is twitter that's what we say here here at let's kill twitter towers no I'm, I'm kidding I need I need my spirit as well that's as my why timeline. you need
1: your spirituality to counter this stuff
0: Oh, you're too right. You're too right. So we are, We I can't believe that we've come into to land uh, literally to time. I didn't think that was going to happen tonight. I didn't get time to tell them what I'm going to tell it anyway. But one of the fun things about GB News is that if you look at their schedule, um, you've got Jubes and Co, Halligan and Piero and all the rest of it. Quite a lot of GB News' schedule is like you've booked a lot of folk acts end to end or comedy double acts, which I found quite interesting. Nobody else seems to have picked up on that. I haven't yet found a tweet on that. Maybe I'll go to GB News Fails to find that out. But I should also be following GB News Wins because obviously I've been extremely balanced about that tonight and quite right too. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. It's been great fun for me. I'm just going to sort of wrap up for the streamers. Um, Scrolling above our heads all the way through the show has been Callie's uh, handle at Callie Beaton. Um, and also the details of where you can follow us. Obviously at LKT Zoom, you can catch tonight's show on YouTube. Uh, download the stream. I'll be making some little edits to that a bit later, only in the text in the text sense. That is, um, no no censorship. But please do uh, follow us on Twitter at LKT Zoom. That would be fantastic. Uh, if you'd like to support our work, you know the cost of the green screen and the new computer i had to buy for obs you can go to um the uh website uh, buy me a coffee i was just about to name one of the other ones you can go to buymeacoffee.com and find the let's kill twitter page and buy and buy us a coffee obviously that's what it's there for uh, next week's show will be uh 8 p.m and i'm going to have richard sandling with me should be fantastic um and that is that's basically that really um Callie, where can people see you next
1: I am on at the boat. It might not be my next one, but I'm gigging a lot now. It's all on my website. It's fairly up to date. My live gigs page on CallieBeaton.com. Um, but the next one I can remember is Friday night, the boat show, which is on the Tatasil oh, Castle in which is one of my absolute favourite clubs in all the brilliant. world. I'm MCing their gala comeback show. So that's the next one I know I've got, and that's next Friday 25th.
0: That's fantastic. That is a great show, a super venue. It's always a brilliant lineup. Um, if you're in London, in or around London, obviously do check that out. Please do check out Callie's podcast as well. Namaste, motherfuckers. Uh, so, no, we never get tired of saying that title, will you? It's um, a nice
1: title. People I can book guests on the back of the title and they're like, sure, that sounds like fun.
0: So thanks very much for watching, guys. We really hope you've enjoyed the show. Please look out for the clips on our uh, various accounts on Twitter, but we will also post them on Facebook and Instagram because I have to be on Instagram. And also, we will be on podcasts as well. So, this show will go out as a podcast fairly soon this week. Um, So, you can't, you don't really have an excuse, really. Um, So, thanks very much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thanks a lot. Bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to the show. Please do check out the other podcasts in the series. If you go to our website, www.letskilltwitter.com, you'll find all our previous shows listed and you can find links to the YouTube versions as well as audio files. If you'd like to support our work, you can do via buymeacoffee.com. If you go to their website, you'll find a Let's Kill Twitter page set up for donations. But anything you can do is much appreciated. A like, a follow, a recommendation to a friend, it all counts. Once again, thanks for listening. We hope to be in your ears again very soon.